Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode in which not only the ghoul of Geek Keith returns, but he's also got a film pick for us, and that's going to be 1981 Scanners, directed by David Cronenberg. So we're heading up to the Great White North this week for our film pick, and as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the ghoul of Geek Keith. Hello, hello, everybody. So good to be back. And it is good to have you back. We're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Mad Monkey, the Prince of Memorial Day. Yes, get funky with it, monkey. Hey there, for fans. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. We're bringing you the best goddamn horror podcast there is in all the land. That's right. So listen live. Listen with your mama. Just listen often. We don't care. Just make sure you fucking listen with a fucking mask on. All right, because that's how we fucking do it here. <laughs> Talking Terror is with a fucking mask on. All right. But yeah. All right. So, we're also joined by the demonic dean. Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. That is correct. You are Woo-hoo! correct. There he is. Okay. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Thank Welcome. you for that, that very professional lead-in, Monkey. It was very, very professional. <laughs> Every once in a while, I get it right. But, you know, let's not make try and make it a habit. <laughs> I don't think you can. Nope. <laughs> All right. So, what's, uh, if anybody has anything they want to talk about before we get into horror news, the floor is yours. Otherwise, um, we have the dean. I I do I do have um maybe a couple things here. Is first okay, off, I, I I would like to highly highly thank the King of Horror for finding a new New Mutants trailer that is available on the Talk to Terror Facebook page. I don't know if anyone else got a chance to check it out, but it just got me fucking even more stoked that, you know, they're pushing ahead. They're still going to release this thing. And I like that they're just giving us a little bit more, but at the same time, not oversaturating us like they did with the Deadpool trailers. You know, they're still leaving a lot of mystery there. But I was just still excited to see a fucking new New Mutants trailer. And tomorrow... There's supposed to be a San Diego virtual Comic-Con panel for the New Mutants. Yeah, yep, supposedly, so stay tuned for that, yeah. Yeah. One thing that I know I heard with this New Mutants thing, um, I don't know if there's any, uh there's no official word on it yet. But there's all kinds of shit twittering around the the internet that they are looking at. Twittering around the internet, yes, indeed. Um, that they are looking at a September fourth streaming release on Disney Plus Ooh. for New Mutants. Um, this now, as of right now, is just a rumor. Supposedly, there's. Uh, I saw the video. Uh, there was a guy in Australia. 
somehow, I guess, it was, he was able to just film it real quick, but nobody can confirm whether this is real or not. And then, uh, you know, of course, uh, Disney slash Marvel have said, no, absolutely not. There's no, no validity to it whatsoever. But they also did turn around and say that, you know, the, the, the name of Avengers 4 was never uttered in any way, shape, or form, yet Endgame gets said twice in two separate films. Um, so we do know that they do lie sometimes. Liars. <laughs> Rotten, no good liars. Nah, keep it in prize. I'm all good for it, man. I know I'm not going to see it in theaters, so I would love for them to put it on streaming. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Why are you not going to see it in theaters? <laughs> because I don't want to die. No, I just. Uh, but, like, yeah, what, if, what if by the time it like gets it's released. Sick. What if by the time it gets released, it, the world is safe again? 2022? Uh-huh. Uh, sure, that's fine. The world may be, but not the United States. The United States will still be an affected wasteland. Everyone else will be able to see new memes in theaters, just not the United States. <laughs> Even the fucking French, not just kidding. Okay, and then other than that, that's some great dead air right there. Yeah, that's why I jumped in real quick. Because also on the talking terrorists. Yeah, I know. I'm w- sorry. I'm the only one to blame here for the dead air. All right, moving on. <laughs> so, also on the Talking Terror page, the King put up a thing about uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost working on a new series called True Seekers that I believe is supposed to be available on Amazon. And Truth Seekers. They are oh, supposed true. to be. Go- uh, you said horror. Yes, true. No, no, no. That's a different show that they did. Um, this is Truth Seekers, where they are supposed to be ghost hunters, you know, going around do, doing their, you know, thing of <clears throat> hunting ghosts and all that kind of crap that's, you know, famous all over cable TV right now. But I really think that, that you know, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg working together could really nail this project really well. King, you put this up, and I know you're a big <laughs> Simon Pegg and Nick Frost fan. What do you think of this, man? Uh, well, I talked about it last year when they first announced it that I was going to Amazon, this uh, horror comedy, Truth Seekers. Uh, it could be a fun idea. It could also be terrible. But the fact that Malcolm McDowell is also involved gets me kind of excited because I'm a huge Malcolm McDowell fan. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he incorporates himself into this uh, show and seeing how he works off of Pegg and Frost. Oh, he's supposed to be on this? Because I... I... I saw that you also put on the yes. page that he's going to be in a musical. <laughs> yeah, well, he he's might be, be in a Lost in a musical, musical, but he he might be in a musical, but he is also going to be on this. Uh, the news that yeah. is out there that I was able to you know put together surrounding uh, this new Amazon series Truth Seekers is that it's going to be at least uh, the first season, if it if it doesn't go beyond that, is going to be eight one hour episodes. Um, Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost are not just starring in it. They're also producing it, and also they're writing it, and they're also working with two other writers 
Uh, and yeah, they are going to be playing uh, some paranormal investigators that team up uh, to uncover and film ghost sightings across the UK. And uh, they promise something that is going to be a mix of the very funny uh, and with the very exciting, uh, an exciting take on genre storytelling. And uh, they said there's going to be uh, lots of out-of-sight monsters. Um, also, they, they did release the first few uh, images from the set. And uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are also uh, showing some new and unique looks. Uh, compared to how they use look in some of their other projects. So a um, whole bunch of information about truth seekers. And, yeah, man, I mean, those guys are, uh, you know, they're a great team, uh, you know, and they've shown mm-hmm. that in yeah. across different genres. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've actually seen Hot Fuzz numerous times. It's in the different channels that I have. It's been <laughs> on uh, in, a, in a very, very regular rotation. And uh, so I've been watching a lot of Hot Fuzz and uh, it's just I I I I I just can't even decide how I feel about it, but I just I watch it every time I see that it's on. So um. you never seen Bad Boys too? What about Jackie Chan? <laughs> and if you have call. not ha- if you've not had a chance to, Dean, I would highly suggest you check out the series Spaced. It's just fun as hell. <laughs> I've seen I haven't seen all of that. I've seen some of that a long long time ago. Or at the world's end, the last uh, film of that uh, Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, that one I haven't seen yet. I haven't seen I haven't seen um, the world's end. I, I, own, but I own it and I have yet to watch it myself. And it's a fun one. <laughs> that that's how it is with about fifty percent of your catalog, isn't it, Ghoul? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, fifty I've seen... might be stretching it, but maybe about twenty percent of it. Uh, yeah. There's, there's... <laughs> I don't know, eight hundred something plus movies on there. So, yeah. Is that one the end of the world? Is that is the is that one on the movies anywhere? Uh, it's a possibility. I uh, would have to look. All right, I'll check that out later. Because if it is, maybe I'll maybe I'll watch that after the show tonight. Because I'm on the hunt for something to watch. So, uh, you know, I would definitely watch that one. There's 22 Perfect. movies in the Marvel. Okay. There's 22 movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you're really on the hunt. No, I know. And actually, uh, if you just give me a moment, I have I have uh, a condensed list of the ones that you told me uh, are are like the essential ones to watch if I was only going to watch uh, a handful of them. And it's interesting because I told myself at the start of quarantine, I said to myself, oh, this is going to be the perfect opportunity to watch this handful of Marvel Universe films that the ghoul has told me about, but ultimately I have not done that yet. Um, so, Surprise! I'm but that goes, for, that goes not just for... On movies anywhere. That goes for... Um, and I know I have access to all of those films because they're all on, on Disney+, and I have a free year of that one from when I changed my, my phone plan. Um, but I, I will find that, that list and, and see if the ghoul still stands by his words about whether or not uh, those are the essential ones to watch and the rest can be uh, over, overlooked. So, uh, so there you go. Um, also, what I did want to ask, uh, I believe I heard some chatter 
uh, before our show went live. Monkey, did I hear you saying to the King of Horror, Andy G, that you have to return to him his Christine book? Yes, I uh, went ahead and borrowed his copy of Christine. It was my first time reading it. Uh, so yes, that was my my next question. Yeah, my next yeah. question was that was was that your first time reading this title? Yeah, um, this has actually been like first time I've read a Stephen King book seriously in like ah uh, like fifteen years. Um, wow. And, so and my, my, before you before you continue, I just want to ask: uh, Is the Christine movie one that you have seen and have familiarity with? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen John Carpenter's Christine. Okay, so uh, what was your thoughts on the book? And the reason I'm interested, because for me personally, uh, Christine is my favorite uh, Stephen King. I really enjoyed the book. Um, <clears throat> it, it threw me off, though, because it is a book, though, where you find out how much Stephen King does not know about cars. Um, but he tries. <laughs> um, and that being said, it was still interesting. And I really enjoyed reading what I read because it was a far cry from the actual John Carpenter story where it was actually something completely different. You know, King had warned me ahead of time, you know, if you're reading this because you really like the movie, you're not going to get the fucking movie. Um, But I really enjoyed where they went with Christine and what she really is and all of the horror that was inside of her. But again, what the... You know, Stephen King can't write an ending for shit, so, you know, we had this... The ending that we had, you know, was subpar, and I could have completely skipped the epilogue. I really would have liked it if at the ending, when we had the investigator, um, you know, talking to Johnny Football, you know, would have been... I think it would have been a nice thing of... Yeah, I think it would have been a nice thing of, you know, Arnie said he left this to you, and he passes the keys to Dennis, and then there's Christine sitting in the hospital parking lot. Not even horrible. What are you talking about? They ended it that way. I would have thrown the book out. <laughs> Jesus, monkey! Now you can never criticize Stephen King and writing an ending. Yeah, that right got revoked. <laughs> Just hand him the keys to you know, the okay. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I I just absolutely, uh, you know love the book it's 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 my favorite Stephen mm-hmm. King book uh, for certain and I can say that you know with 100% clarity and with that being said I truly also love the John Carpenter film although yeah. I do feel that it is deeply deeply flawed and uh, compared yeah. to the book and I mm-hmm. am and I've, I'm sure that this has come up on our show before and I'm sure that I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. And that is, since I am one of the loudest voices on our program about the, uh, the, my dislike for the horror remake culture, uh, truly, I feel that if someone was going to do a remake of Christine uh, that was more in line with the book, uh, I would be interested in that because uh, there were so many differences in this one. Yeah. Uh, as far as like the character study um, between the book and the film. So if someone was going to remake Christine but do it to the book, uh, I would be interested in that. 
Yeah, especially but I was just... with the whole thing of um, while Arnie's driving around in the car and Dennis is with him, you know, as they're, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, leaving New Year's and Dennis is seeing the years roll back and, you know, Libertyville that, he, you know, he sees it in Libertyville at all, you know, is like 1950s Libertyville that he sees through the windows. You know, like, all of that was completely missed in the movie, you know, of that whole sense of, you know, Ar- you know, Arnie's actually traveling back through time and w- with what he sees inside Christine. You know, all of that was missed, along with yeah. the whole ghost crew that rides around inside Christine. <laughs> and, you know, uh, also, as a fan of the cast of the film, uh John Stockwell, who plays Dennis in the film, uh, who obviously was in Christine, but also had some film roles. He was in one of my favorite uh, little fun 80s films called My Science Project. Uh, and yeah, he, also, he was also a Top uh, Gun. <laughs> yeah, he was also Cougar in Top Gun. Uh, and he also had a small part in one of my favorites, Eddie and the Cruisers, and uh, was also in a TV movie uh, called Quarterback Princess, where Helen Hunt wants to become a high school football quarterback. Um, but uh, when he moved on from being in front of the camera, uh, John Stockwell became a, a, a director and uh, directed such films as uh, Blue Crush, Into the Blue, and Touristas. And man, this is a guy when directs films, he knows how to really film those wonderful exploitation shots of the female body. Uh, his film is his films are just overrun with insane camera work on on the female body. So. Uh, just a little bit of note on on John Stockwell, but but I'm right there with you, Dean. Like my science project is like one of my favorite childhood '80s movies, man. I fucking it was great. love that movie. John Stockwell, <laughs> Fisher Stevens, Dennis Hopper. Uh, it's like super super fun, uh, and uh-huh. like like kind of, it's just a weird fucking movie, but I love it. I'm pretty sure there's a beautiful version of it on on YouTube. The whole the whole film. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it, if you guys haven't seen my science project, it's just delightful. Yeah, there's actually a really good clean copy on there. Uh, I think I shared it about two months ago on the Sci-Fi Sunday section of our Talking Terror Facebook page. But yeah, it's out hmm. there, man. All right, I must have missed that. But anyway, uh, getting back to some of the other things we were talking about. Uh, Ghoul, are you ready? I have in front of me the, the, the definitive list of films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that you say that I should watch. <laughs> and that uh, all of the other films are are superfluous or not necessary to taking in uh, the cinematic universe of Marvel. And maybe your thoughts have evolved since you sent me this list on May 9th of 2019. So here we are. We have Iron Man, which I have seen, and then we have Avengers, and then we have Captain America Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man... Captain America Civil War, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame. Still, still there. <laughs> so, there's, so for when I get to this, there's nothing that's when I when I get to this, there's nothing that should be added. This is these are the essentials. Again, if you are going to watch the bare minimum just to get what is going on throughout everything, those are the movies you watch. They are the best quality as far as films go themselves, and they are a lot of fun. Uh, you know, of Should course, they be viewed recommend... in that order? Yes. 
order of their releases. Okay, so That's yeah, so I mean, look, I've seen Iron Man. I watched Iron Man with you for the first time. I, I thought Iron Man was super yes. fun. Yes, it was. Yes, fun. Yeah, but um, again, like the ghoul said, you, you have to watch them in order just because, you know, there there is an overall story arc that has everything going on within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Again, if you're going to do the bare minimum, that's what you do. If not, then just do them all and fucking take the deep dive and do all 22 hours. Oh. Not 22 what hours, is 22 it? films. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, 22 films, man. <laughs> <laughs> At three hours of film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are long. Those are all like long films, too, right? Yeah. 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 They all average about yeah. an hour and 45 minutes to two hours each, with the longer ones hitting closer to three hours. Yeah, so, yeah, like, you can, you can expect all of the Avengers <laughs> movies to be about around three hours. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the first one was about two hours. Ultron was about 2.15, yep. and then, yeah, Infinity War was 2.15, 2.30, and Endgame was three hours because, you know, I mean, listen, it's a big fan service, you know, moment. Well, yeah, you got to c- conclude the story. <laughs> this be true. All right, so that works. He ain't watching any of them anyway, so no. we're all perfectly safe here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's shaking his head. I could, I could feel there's it. A better, there's a better chance of the king rewatching the never-ending story multiple times. <laughs> I disagree with that 100%. I have no problem saying that I would watch these films before the king was to watch the never-ending story. Now, whereas right. I do know you have, you have no problem saying it. It doesn't mean you're going to actually do any of it. But look, I mean, let's let's all things being fair and equal. Uh, well, no, that's not what I was going to say. But uh, all things being fair and equal, you know, the the what, superhero like movies that I've seen, like I enjoy thoroughly. I, I don't know why I didn't get into this whole Marvel universe. I have no reason. It's not like a it's not like a disinterest or a dislike. Uh, like I love the Spider-Man movies. And I liked the first X-Men and the second X-Men. I saw those. I enjoyed those. Um, I was not a huge fan of the the re, the Superman, the one that came with the big sequence with oh. the airplane. But I love all the old well, Superman well, movies, and I oh, love Kickass. And I, you know, yeah. And I like. Yeah. I saw the first Dead. I saw the first Deadpool, and I and I enjoyed that. Like I've I've seen some. You know, some of them. You know, it's just. There's, there's no, I don't have a reason. It's not like, oh, I'm the king of horror, and the, the theory of the never-ending story is just something I can't get behind. Like, I'm into it. I just haven't <laughs> got around to watching it. You know, it's not. There's not like a dislike the or like. Theory, a, what you know, the there's theory? Just not a, there's no, there's no. Well, I don't know. I'm just looking for the word to say. Like, there's no reason the that I haven't watched the these. I'm not like story. against them. <laughs> it never ends. That 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 yeah. that's the oh, theory yeah, behind it. Is is that it never ends, and it will end. It will never end as long as Bastion continues to keep making wishes and continues to grow Fantasia. So therefore, the never-ending story will be never-ending as long as he continues to believe and Fantasia. See, that's how. What yeah. about when Bastion dies? Fantasia dies with him. I see well, that that's movie. when he needs to. That's when he, he needs to continue to believe and share it with his families and 
tell other people the stories of Fantasia and keep it going. Come on, cool. You know how this shit goes. Maybe Bastion got COVID and he's stuck inside the fucking house, okay? And he can't make any fucking wishes anymore, okay? <laughs> or or his dad vacuums up the one grain of sand for Fantasia and then he can't make any more wishes. <laughs> I'd see that movie. I'd be in line for that one. Like, it's finally over. He discovered pussy, and now he's over it. Wasn't like, it what, uh, I get the fuck now? Yo, in the sequels, wasn't Bastion's dad Dawson's dad? I think they brought that guy in for, for the sequel film. Wesley Ship? Well, I, I think maybe. so. At least the second John, one. John man. Wesley Ship. Let's see. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, man. Whichever one maybe, had Bastion, you know, like, Diving off of a waterfall or some shit, and they were like, "Oh, I was with you the whole time." Yeah. Doing doing some research, right? Doing some research right now. Uh, that uh, that was the second that was the second one where he did the high dive, and then the third okay. one was when they brought Jack Black in. The third one was probably uh, John Wesley Ship was in John Wesley Ship played Barney in the Neverending Story two, uh, the next chapter. Okay, so Barney and was also he also played. He also was Barry Allen, the Flash, in the Flash TV series, yeah. as well as Dawson's father, uh, Mitch Leary, and also uh, has a very similar look to um, Detective Stabler. Yes, he does look a lot like Chris Malone. <laughs> they are, yeah, they can be twins. Like Christopher Maloney. No way. No, they're similar. No. Sauna, steam. They, they both look like they've seen way too much time on crime. <laughs> Uh, they've just seen too much shit, and they're both grizzled and tired. That's so I can make that comparison. Does never any story just took it out of Does Marvel have any plans for a Robert Louis Drake Iceman film? Not that I know of. Are, are you, uh, I wouldn't see a one-off Iceman. Yes, I am asking. A demand for a one-off Iceman film. Uh, <laughs> are, you looking, are, are you looking for one? Jeez. <laughs> um, just go Is back and watch Spider-Man and his amazing. Just go back and watch Spider-Man and his amazing friends. That's all you need to get for Iceman. <laughs> oh come on, man! Yeah. Don't make me get into some fucking major geek shit here. The reality is, is he's a fucking. He's an ultimate level mutant. The guy can control moisture. Okay, that's how he freezes everything, uh, man. So and since it's there's moist. fucking moisture, it's moist. moist. Moist, <laughs> everything. Conceivably, cool. you know, I know they, they started them with the idea that hey, I could put some fucking snow on me or some ice on me, and ooh, look at me, a fucking ice man. But the reality is, he can completely freeze every molecule in his, in his entire body and pretty much fucking do right. anything okay. or be anywhere, wherever in the world when he wants to be there. And I'm not arguing that because I again read the same issues you did when Will Portacio took over as artist for X-Factor, and then they finally bumped up Iceman and actually gave him some badassness going on. I'm, I'm a I just always liked, but you took over I just always liked that he can create his own ice as he moves forward and could perpetually ice skate around the world as he continues to produce the ice as he moves forward. I always, always enjoyed that feature of, of Iceman. It's fun. <laughs> I guess yep. that's Everything the ice hockey man in you. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just just like Frozone in The Impossibles. <laughs> I mean, Incredibles. Incredibles. <laughs> the Impossibles. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, sorry, my bad. <laughs> I mean, better okay, title. So what, so what, what okay. else do we have here besides conversation about Iceman? <laughs> uh, and the high demand for a Robert Drake movie. Yes, why were you asking so, about a Robert Drake movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Marvel. You're like, you guys like to talk about Marvel. I was trying to, I was trying to be part of the conversation. Well, points to you, man, for actually knowing his actual name. So, good for you, man. <laughs> it ain't nothing but healthy conversation. Yeah. All right. Healthy. <laughs> what's, um, what's going on in the world of horror? Nobody picked up on my quote. Okay, anyway. Uh, so, no. uh, H- we've talked about HBO Max and how there's going to be a Gremlins animated series. Uh, coming sometime in 2021, and the creators have let us know so generously that there are going, even though it's animated, there are going to be many exciting cameos, even though it's an animated series. But uh, what they did announce that, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, or I don't even know if anybody cares, but Howie Mandel will not be returning to voice Gizmo as he did in the two feature films. So if, okay. uh, hmm. if your enjoyment of Gremlins hinged on Harry Mendel's voicing of Gizmo, you will be disappointed uh, with this news. I'm available, if, uh, just saying, if you need a voiceover for fucking... <laughs> just let me know. All right, uh, thank you for throwing your hat into the ring, but I am not the person to talk to in regards to that <laughs> no. piece of information. You can tell us all day long, it doesn't make a difference. I would like a sample of this uh, of this ability of yours to speak like Gizmo or a Gremlin. Oh, don't make him do it. <laughs> like nails on a chalkboard. Come on, come on, let's let's, let's hear this. Hi, my Billy. Yeah, that's his Gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you do that to Eva in bed. Please tell me you do it to her in bed. <laughs> oh no! If doubt, he man. hasn't, if he hasn't, he should, and then he should report back his findings. Absolutely, I'd like, to, I'd like, to, I'd like to know what she says about that. <laughs> it didn't go over too well. <laughs> Because he doesn't know the time, and I'm like, you know what I feel about that, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, all of a I he do. Turns into a fucking mogwai. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, at the risk of causing the king of horror to have an erection, I do want to take a minute to talk about the Sasuke sisters. Our Lord and Savior. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. All you got to do is say the word erection around the king, and he's got one. (laughs) Sounds super hard right now. Keep it going. The Sasuke sisters have been tabbed to write and direct a film that will be called Unseen, and that it is going to – maybe you guys have heard of this, but I haven't. It's going to be based on an audio-only game called Blindside, uh, which is an audio-only game that's set in a 3D world – that you will only hear but never see. Uh, the Saskas say that Unseen is a horror film experience completely unlike any other before it. Uh, this film will truly bring 
the fear of the unknown to life by putting the focus on sto- of storytelling on what you hear, not on what you see. Uh, so there's no timetable for this film seeing the light of day, uh, but this is going to be the next project uh, coming down the pipe for the Sasuke sisters. Okay, so we'll do it. All right. I, I want to ask uh, King and Ghoul, just because when you guys talked about the lighthouse, you kept talking about how important and how awesome the sound was with the movie. So I just want to ask you guys something with like this, where they're trying to make this an audio experience as well. How do you think this would actually work? I don't know. I mean, it could work. I mean, the, I've never played the game, so I can't say, oh, yeah, it's a great game. It's going to translate well into a movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's apples and oranges comparing the lighthouse to Unseen. I mean, it's, I don't know, the visual and auditory experience. So that's my opinion. I don't know what the ghoul, uh, the ghoul things, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, listen, I remember reading about this a little while ago, and, uh, you know, film film is a visual medium, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a movie mm-hmm. to watch something with your eyes. So, I mean, they want to branch out. They want to do something different. Um, they want to assault us with something that is going to be orally pleasing. Um, or not pleasing, uh, as fucking right now. <laughs> completely uh, Auditory pleasing? Yeah, that there you go. That too. Um, you know it. Uh, uh, orally, but a u r a l l y, not a uh, not o r a l l y. Not oral. A guy can dream, not Danny. Oral, not oral like you do on the street corner. Um, oral is in like something that's assaulting your ears. Um, so the lighthouse, yes, did that, but it also did that while it was you know, hitting you with all this disturbing imagery and shit like that. So whatever they're going to do in Unseen, um, you know, again, obviously it will be seen, so we will see uh, Unseen. <laughs> if anybody can do it, yeah. it's the fucking Oscar sisters, okay? They're fucking <laughs> wackadoos. The two of them are fantastic, okay? We love them. Their movies are always so much fun. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, I mean, if anybody can do it, it's the two of them. Ten dollars oh, for a BJ, twelve dollars for an H day, fifteen dollars for a CJ. <laughs> That's not bad. Okay, that price. Not gonna suck itself. <laughs> oh, just stare at it, eat it. <laughs> yeah. All right, all my all my all my obscure movie quotes are falling flat today. I'm sorry, all right, man. <laughs> but it's still funny. <laughs> I left. I don't know what you're talking about, but it was so funny. All right. But uh, moving on, uh, what do we have next? Uh, moving on, uh, Netflix has a series that uh, debuted on July 10th called Old, it's Old Guard. Uh, for my view comic people, are you familiar with a comic called Old Guard? I have heard of it. Uh... <laughs> Hey, baby, if you have to ask, old, you can't afford it. I, I, know, I know that Old Guard is done through Image Comics. Uh, issue number one is now going for about $350 on eBay. Um, but that is literally all I know about it. Is uh, I, I've heard that the series is fun, you know, or whatever. But, yeah, so what are you getting ready to say, Dean? 
about Old Guard. I'm getting ready to say that uh, earlier earlier this week, uh, from July 17th through July 19th, I thought this was a pretty cool thing. Uh, unfortunately, it happened in between our previous show and this show, uh, so it wasn't like something for people to look forward to. But Netflix, uh, in a partnership with Old Guard, where the new Old Guard series is currently streaming, uh, had created an Old Guard video game, an online video game, uh, that was live from July 17th to July 19th, uh, based hmm. on the world of the Old Guard. And there was a, a running clock as this game was About available for just the 72 hours. Oh, sorry, the, whatever. Uh, the the running clock was, was live for 72 hours, and when the clock turned off, uh, whoever was able to post the highest score on the site of this game was going to receive free Netflix <laughs> for 83 years. What? <laughs> <laughs> free Netflix for 80 years. <laughs> That's the best a man could get. <laughs> oh, man, that sounded cool. Uh, yeah. Um, have either of you got? Has anyone had Probably a strong to enough for a man with pH balance for a woman? <laughs> smells like Team Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, monkey. What'd you say? I was asking if anyone's actually had a chance to check out Old Guard yet. No, I don't uh, use Old Guard. But yes, the 83 first, years of I've been Netflix. hearing of what Old Guard is. So okay, no, never, so never, never checked it out. So 83 okay. years of Netflix. Well, if you can make it that long, you got it for free. <laughs> I mean, essentially, it's Netflix for the rest of your life. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, thought know, it, I thought this, was, I thought this is was a very be... cool article, Dean. <laughs> Thank you for, for the compliment uh, on, on this article. I just thought it was like a cool thing, you know, like you go online and you yeah. play this game and, you know, with the with the with the never ending list of streaming services that run anywhere from five bucks a month to 15 bucks a month, uh, the opportunity to get one for free just for playing a game for for a little bit uh, for the rest of your life is uh, kind of appealing, especially Netflix, which arguably yeah. is one of the most uh, popular streaming service, if not the most popular streaming service. Just an oddly specific uh, number, 83, not just like where, hey, lifetime. Where was the game even located? It was uh, on some website. Uh, I don't have the exact website in front of me, but it was on a website. It was like an online game. Okay. Not, I, don't, I don't believe it involved any downloads or anything like that. I believe you played the game right on, on the site. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, you know, it's again, yeah, that's a promotion. You know, they don't do a lot of those. But yeah. I don't know if no, I would do it for what, Netflix. What, yeah, but what it was here is the Old Guard game was actually done directly through the Old Guard website. So you had to go to oldguardgame.com, um, and there you could play the video game directly through the website of the column book. Gotcha. <clears throat> All right, so yeah. very cool. You know, it's cool that they're doing those promotions. All right. Yeah. So okay, moving on from the Old wait, Guard wait, wait, to the New wait, Guard. wait. Hold on, King. Back okay, up. Monkey. All right. Slow down. Okay. Calm the, down. <laughs> the competition is over. The competition is over for the quote-unquote oh, immortal damn. Netflix account, but you can still play the game on their website. You just got to click that you are definitely 18, I had said, 18 or over. I had, 
Yeah, I had said that the game was only live mm-hmm. for the points for the contest from the 17th through the 19th, and the game is live. I'm actually I'm playing it right mm. this very minute. So it is live at <laughs> oldguard.com, and you can go there and play, and play this game. It's like the space bar and the arrow keys, and that, that, that's all you need um, to play the old guard game. Uh, and who again, whoever had the highest score after the time limit expired got to play Netflix or have Netflix for the rest of their lives or 83 years, whichever came first. But anyway, uh, the Duffer Brothers of Stranger Things fame have once again uh, been sued by someone who claims that they stole uh, the idea from Stranger Things uh, from him. They were sued back in 2018 by somebody named Charles Kessler, who says that they stole his idea after he pitched them the idea at a Tribeca Film Festival party, uh, but Kessler dropped the claim uh, before it went to trial. Uh, there's currently a filmmaker named Jeffrey Kennedy, and he is suing the Duffer Brothers, say that they stole the idea from his screenplay called Totem. Uh, he claims that plot, sequence, character, dialogue, theme, mood, setting, and setting uh, have been stolen directly from him in Stranger Things. Uh, Netflix calls these allegations baseless. Uh, they say that... Uh, the Duffer Brothers have never heard of this person or his screenplay, uh, and that earlier this person tried to force Netflix to to pay him out, which they refused to do, and that is what led to Netflix uh, or them being sued by what Netflix is calling a baseless lawsuit. So once again, uh, someone else accusing the Duffer Brothers of stealing uh, his idea. Okay, here's the thing. That's like loosely explaining it. The idea is here is that the connecting point is a guy named Aaron Sims. Aaron Sims is one of the people who created concept art for the first two seasons of Stranger Things. So they're saying that maybe some of the concepts came from Totem. Now, you know, I don't know. It's not like there was a whole entire slew of films in the fucking 1980s that involved a bunch of children and sometimes, you know what, (laughs) magical space-type fucking events occurred like explorers, or sometimes those kids got together and they found fucking pirate treasure, or sometimes they just found fucking John F. Kennedy. Um, what kind of crack were you smoking? That kind of shit didn't happen to eighties movies. Ghoul? Oh, it must be Not, the damn they, they didn't, they, they didn't fucking find aliens either. What are you talking about? No. <laughs> or hunt monsters yeah. or anything like that. No, I, you know what? <laughs> so, so, sorry, I, I guess I'm saying, just fucking cool. wrong. I don't know, man. Like I said, it must be the Mandela effect. You know, the Mandela. Yeah, the Mandela effect. <laughs> uh, I must be remembering something else entirely. <laughs> no, I'm that sorry, dude. One thing please, please, please they continue. That shit from you know what I mean? So come on, <laughs> the, the, the guys came up with something. People want to stick their fucking fingers in the pot and get some money. I, you know, go on, find something else. Go find your own fucking studio. Go, go find something to go make your own fucking fortune. Yeah. Fucking a man. Great advice, <laughs> everybody out there. Do your own fucking thing, man. Get paid. Get laid. <laughs> Maybe one day you will. I won't. That's the sure. evil... Get laid. Uh, so Neither. also, uh, coming up this summer, uh, unfortunately here in the United States, uh, at this time, you will not be able to get a chance to see this, 
Uh, but there is an Evil Dead documentary coming up by a director named Steve Villeneuve uh, that's called Hail to the Deadites. And this is going to be a love letter to the fans of the Evil Dead. And it is something that is going to debut at the Fantasia International Film Festival. Unfortunately, this year, the Fantasia International uh, Film Festival is going to have to unveil their their big-time virtual uh, festival platform. Uh, but from August 20th through September 2nd, you will be able to watch this Hail to the Deadites 80-minute documentary on their online platform, but unfortunately it's going to be geo-blocked, so it's only going to be available and accessible if you are in Canada at this time. Uh, there's been no no updates That's on whether or not this around. will hit the... What the no, fuck no, is geo the U.S.? Uh, no, no, geo-blocked to Canada. Yeah, we'll get so it. Maybe Canada won't get it. Maybe it's blocking it from, you know, blocking Canada from it. What the fuck is geo-blocked? That's what I'm saying, yeah. USA. USA. You get it first. I'm great again. Let me do some uh, quick... Let me do a quick uh, fact check here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, um, yeah. It's saying here on the article that's on the Talking Terror page that uh, geo-blocked Canadian audiences and only accessible from within the country of, of Canada. Canada. So vastly yeah. expanding the yeah, number of reading the article we can engage with outside of Quebec. So there we go. Goddamn right, America. So this time comes first. Unfortunately, well, I mean, if it's created in Canada from the Canada crew, then no, America is not first in this case. We're always <laughs> Oh, yeah. Canada. I mean, they're wrong. I love Canada, but come on. I mean, what? <laughs> but, Home of Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's right. Canada. Get some poutine. I'm going to grab you on oh, my yeah. ride. So, yes, you can watch it in Canada. You, supposedly, you're not going to be able to see it here. Well, yes, then we should go to Canada and watch it and get some free health care while we're at it. <laughs> and free pot. Uh, That's right. <laughs> get some fucking Molson's and watch a hockey game, eh? And our fucking Hill of the Deadites movie. Forget about the Deadites the... movie, man. I mean... I would well, I would give well, anything like to like drink some Molson's and watch an actual hockey game right now. So yeah, well I'm at the <laughs> hockey game. I want I want some cheese for my pretzel bites and my tortilla chips. <laughs> tortilla Ooh, chips? Where are we in Ohio? It's like Canada. They don't have tortilla chips in Canada. I don't need just stop. I just have to say, if you ever get the chance to visit the city of Montreal, you should totally do it. Montreal is just a super fun party city. Um, and if you, you know, even if it's not your thing uh, at all, it's still like a cultural experience to see a hockey game at the Montreal, at uh, the Bell Center in Montreal, a Canadians game. Uh, I've been up there a couple times to see uh, Canadians versus Ranger games because it's like a very, it's not like a terrible drive from New Jersey. And what a just fun city. Like it's a great culture, great food. Uh, I know that the ghoul is not a drinker, but it's a great drinking town, super friendly people. Um, couldn't endorse Montreal uh, more than that. I'd love to go to Canada. Uh, I guess I'm going to go to over so, so I can just go see my first hockey game, period. <laughs> Doesn't matter Dude. what league it is. 
<laughs> I don't know when. I don't know when there'll be an opportunity, but you got to do that, dude. Whether whether it's a, a professional <laughs> game, and I'm sure there's got to be some minor level teams. Yeah, we got the Hershey Bears. We got the Hershey Bears around here, you know. So is that is that far from you? No. No, it, no. Hershey Bears is only half an hour away from me. But all right. Well, just, I don't know where exactly uh, you are in Pennsylvania compared to the Hershey Bears. That's why I'm asking. But I have to say, yeah. if you can go, you can probably get a great ticket for a Hershey Bears game, uh, for like fifteen bucks, dude. Like you should totally do that. It's super fun, man. Yeah, just <laughs> That too. And minor league, minor league hockey. Is great fun. A lot you of remember fun. we went to a couple of those uh, Trenton Thunder games? Trenton games, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Was it the Trenton Thunder? Or was it the Trenton Thunder with the baseball? Was the, ba- is the baseball. baseball. Oh, sorry, yeah, Trenton, Trenton, Titans. Trenton Titans. Trenton Titans. Yeah, Trenton yeah. Titans. Yeah, Trenton Titans. Yeah. <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah, man. Really barbecue pork, nachos, tall beers. Great. <laughs> yep, just waiting for this to end so I can actually go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good luck. We have no idea when that stuff will be getting back to normal. Uh, you know, but when the opportunity comes once again, uh, truly, as a lifelong devotee, both uh, both actively a player as well as a fan, uh, I couldn't uh, suggest going to a live hockey game any stronger. It truly, in my opinion, is the most exciting game to go see live in person. Oh, dude! After you sent me after you sent me all those movie suggestions and I watched them all. Yeah, man. It's like uh, I'm like now, like you know, I want hockey to fire back up so I can actually get into this shit, man. <laughs> yeah. So just just a heads up, uh, hockey is getting very close. I know we're not a sports show, but uh, there's going to be like a a, a tournament it's be baseball uh, for the tomorrow. actual. Yeah, there's going to be baseball. <laughs> baseball uh, a, tomorrow, six, man. A, a a sixty game regular season for baseball. <laughs> But hockey is not starting a new season. They're doing uh, where in the NHL, the 16 teams make. Well, well, there's not <laughs> going to be any regular season games, uh, but there usually is 16 no, teams that make. Thing. I know. That's what I'm trying to explain. Uh, <laughs> usually, 16 teams, <laughs> six, 16 teams make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, in this safe case, there's going to be a 24-team uh, playoff. Uh, where eight teams have to take part in a buy-in round, where are they get, and where then are they there will the be a playoff. <laughs> well, uh, it has to do with existing records <clears throat> from the season that ended, teams that were outside of the playoff numbers, like in order of points. Uh, so teams that uh, you know were not in playoff position but were the closest to playoff position are, are going to be in this buy-in round, uh, you know, to try and how make the, the official tournament. Uh, well, it's not a. I'm not even answering this question. Uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Robert Kirkman says that Ooh. COVID-19. Robert Kirkman, the, the author of the Walking Dead comic series, has stated that COVID-19 oh. is a, a, a good thing when it comes to the continuation of the Rick Grimes story through the upcoming Walking Dead feature film. Uh, he uh, says Rick that Rimes, while. Bitch. He says that while uh, they are not yet filming and from the outside it might look like nothing is happening, he says that behind the scenes uh, there is all kinds of action uh, taking place, that they are still in production and they're getting closer and closer to actually starting to film. Uh, He says that there is going to be much benefit 
uh, from the shutdown that everything is being cooked to perfection and that there's going to be a very exciting, unique story uh, to be told uh, if you are into finding out what happened to Rick Grimes from the Walking Dead universe. Um, I know that I am the only one on this Talking Terror program that is currently up to date uh, with the Walking Dead series. Uh, and mm-hmm. I will continue to say that you guys should get on it because it did become good again. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the movies and hopefully uh, it'll actually happen and we can find out what happened to Rick as well as that lady that was in charge of the garbage people. Yeah, because did didn't you put on the Talking Terror page that they want to do a trilogy of Rick Grimes movies? Yeah, they well, do. you know, they you had know, they, said yeah. going back, going back to the announcement, it was going to be three feature films. Uh, you know, this news is just about a first feature film. There was no additional information about whether or not uh, a trilogy is still in the cards or whatnot, but uh, it is still something uh, that uh, is going on. And the actress who plays the character of Anne, who was in charge of the garbage people, or, or like Jadis, she was called, and then she said her real name was Anne. Uh, she recently spoke at some convention online and said that I may or not, may not be involved in a Rick Grimes' Walking Dead movie, but everybody knows that she's involved. So anyway, um, you know that's what's uh, going on in on. the Walking Dead universe. Hold on, King. What were you gonna say? Well, yeah, it's proposed that they're gonna do three, like the 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 dean just said. They have to get the first one uh, done first. So I think Robert Kirkman's like, oh fuck, we don't have any ideas. And somebody's asking me about these movies. Uh, yeah, fucking COVID, man. Great idea because now I got plenty of time to fucking lay it down. You're gonna be really excited when you see this. Meanwhile, he's like, shit, I don't even have an idea. <laughs> I just I don't think they have anything. I don't think they have anything, and they're just like, yeah, yeah COVID was a great time. To, to sit down and really flesh out this character. Like, it's not that hard. I could bang out the script. <laughs> All well, right. Back I mean, it might be giving them time to, to maybe, you know, you know how we, or me especially, like to sit there and say, well, you know, they could have did this, they could have did that, they could have done this, they should have changed that, maybe brought in this character, did this, 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 and that. Well, maybe they have that time to actually do that now, since, you know, you really can't do or make anything. You know, I know they finally uh, true. finally starting to get production done on uh, on some things, so it's a good thing. Slowly, yeah, yeah, something coming back. Slowly, I think uh, Jurassic World. Yeah. So, all right, go ahead, Dean. What else you have? Jurassic World. Uh, is that what some... you said? <laughs> no. Yeah, they shut that uh, down again because well, of COVID. I didn't say that. Yeah, that got shut down again. So that's why I tried to take it back real quick. I think I forgot. Somebody got COVID on set and had to shut it down again. <laughs> Jeez. Ouch. In the world of Stephen King, uh, the CW, uh, the CW, uh, they of the great success in getting the Lost Boys to the small screen, uh, have announced that they are adopting. <laughs> they have announced that they're, that they're adapting the Revelations. <laughs> Uh, I can't read my writing. It's either the revelations of Brenda Paulson or the revelations of Becca Paulson, uh, which is a Stephen King uh, short story that he actually published in a 1984 issue of Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, The CW is going to be adapting this into a running recurring drama series. Uh, This story was already told once on the small screen in the 1997 uh, Outer Limits reboot, and it starred uh, Catherine O'Hara as the title character. 
uh, but the CW, uh, like everyone else on planet Earth, is jumping into the Stephen King universe to bring something to the screen. Uh, there's been no timetable for when this might see the light of day, uh, but that is one of the things that is on the slate over at the CW if you are a fan and viewer of the CW. Definitely not his hey, somebody. I thought somebody just finally I, fucking give me a damn Dark Tower series that's properly done. <laughs> I would hold your breath on that one continually, but take a little breath of air here and there so you don't die. Um, oh. You know, this is a story, the Stephen King story. I have never heard of this before. I've never even heard of it. So, um, oh, it's not you know, I don't know anything it's about not. it. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see, you know, there was that Outer Limits uh, reboot of which I, uh, interestingly enough, uh, it's one of, and I can always go back and find it and watch it, I'm sure. I only saw one episode of that show. I don't. Did any of you ever watch that late 90s uh, Outer Limits yes, series? No. I did. Okay, maybe you, can, add, maybe you can Maybe you can recall the, the episode I'm about to quickly explain. I saw one episode that had to do with the President of the United States who was in a bunker, and maybe the United States was about to come under attack uh, from an alien, some type of alien civilization, and it was like a moral dilemma type episode where the president had to make the decision about whether or not to like launch nukes at the alien invasion. Uh, and there was like military people that were like launch, and then there were like other people that were like you can't do this, and it was like a back and forth yeah. kind of moral struggle. And um, I I saw the whole episode except for the last like. 12 minutes and never found out what happened. So uh, that is my experience yeah, that, with, the, uh, with the Outer Limits. Um, that's actually interesting that you bring that up because if, if I'm right, that episode was Trial by Fire, I want to say. And uh, yeah, your description is right. The episode is called Trial by Fire, but like I said, what you said was right. And then I think uh, Lawrence Dane, who's in the movie that we're going to be talking about tonight, was also a, a star on that episode as a general. Where they were trying to decide whether or not they should kill him. Are with this, with this like, like insane fucking nerd facts right there. Look at this guy. I mean, I couldn't tell you anybody else that was in that episode, but I remember. Yeah, it was like in '95, '96, Trial by Fire. What was the character? What was the who? Who was the actor that you said? Uh, Lawrence Dane, who plays Keller in the movie we're going to talk about tonight. He was in that episode. He played a general. And they're all trying to figure out whether you or not to abs- kill the I'm looking animal. at it right now. You are absolutely correct. Um, the, I, 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 am, I am truly, truly impressed. If you are not, like, currently, if you're pulling this information oh. from your brain and not, like, looking it up right now, I, I have the utmost uh, respect for, for that piece of information right there, King of Heart. No, I'm in my kitchen trying to get a drink, so. She's that's why you're the fucking King of Heart, man. Did you just realize that? <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, that's like I'm talking about like a reboot of a TV series that like hardly anybody watched, and I'm talking about some random episode that I couldn't even tell you the name of the episode that I just had, uh, you know, this this inkling of a memory, and that he was able to remember like the like the actor that was like third or fourth important uh, in in this in this episode and the name of the episode. Like, <clears throat> And that, that person was in the movie we're discussing tonight. Like, I feel that's some super impressive shit. Yes, Kudos that's why he's the fucking king of horror. <laughs> Just sad horror knowledge that I have in my brain. 
I know, and we have a, we all have a lot of that knowledge. Can you imagine if we can like use that knowledge for like good that would like like give us dollars in some way? <laughs> or if we use the ability to to if we if uh, let me rephrase that if we were able to use the ability that we have to recall this fucking inane knowledge that means nothing. I, I don't really mean it means nothing, but if we can use those no, skills for things like like large science concepts that people pay money for or something. So you're saying you want to form like a giant horror version of Voltron? <laughs> what oh. you're saying is we got to combine, we got to combine our forces, become this horror Voltron. That that's also a cash cow. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, if there is a way to do this though, you know, I mean, what you kind of have to do, you have to be able to like really, like really focus and concentrate and we have to link our nervous systems. And, and then we might be able to unite <laughs> all of that information and be able to, to deliver that kind of thing. That's true. Mm-hmm. We have to think about that. When our powers unite, <laughs> what comes back? With, with our powers combined, we can form Captain Planet. Oh, wait, that's not what we're covering tonight. Uh, no. Don, Ch- no. Don Chadle, man. That's Captain Planet ever. <laughs> yeah, I love the funnier dodge catch. That is a bomb right there, man. If you have not, <laughs> if you have not gone and looked that up, it go is, on the it is, go on the internet now wait, and look up Don look up Cheadle what? as fucking Captain Planet. It is Don Cheadle as Captain it is Planet. Awesome. It is hysterical. As Captain what? Captain Planet. You know the blue guy with okay. the green fucking hair who used to fly around and save okay. the fucking Earth from toxic waste. All right, before we get into okay, before we get into the movie, Captain all right, is all, all you gotta know is Don. Ch- watch watch your Marvel movies first, and then after you watch your Marvel movies, then go watch the Don Cheadle Captain Planet thing. But you have to watch the Marvel movies first to get the joke about Don Cheadle playing Captain Planet. So that being said, <laughs> I think I think we have a <laughs> movie tonight. We do. Cool, it's uh, your pick tonight. Scanners from 81, directed the by James Cronenberg. It is the but 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 the, 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 the Mad what? Monkey's what? Uh, segue was not as good as his segue in the introductions, so uh, being that tonight's pick does belong uh, to the ghoul, I am going to ask the ghoul if he feels willing to get to the film, or can I get to my last little tidbits very quickly. You can, of course, always get to your last little tidbit. Okay? You can play with that Whoa. I have three all you want. Tickle it. I have three, three tiny little tidbits. These flick that tidbit. Flick oh, so, flick so the now tidbit. It's three three okay, first tiny it was, tidbits. First the first one is now it's three tidbits. I mean you fucking grew I just said I have three here. I mean what is this? American Pie <laughs> two? The fucking rule of three? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have three Tidbits. The first one will excite the King of Heart. He's not yet aware, uh, but it's are been officially announced. I feel well, he doesn't know what I'm going to say. My yet. nipples are really hard. He doesn't hard. know what I'm going to say yet. But it's been officially Erect. announced that the upcoming Candyman uh, reboot coming this October, allegedly, but it has been officially given allegedly. an R rating. Well, allegedly, it will hit the theater October 16th, but I would. Allegedly. Venture to guess that every theatrical release date is alleged at this time. 
Uh, but it has officially been given a rated R for serious, bloody horror violence. Uh, so Hell yeah, it has. I figure that the king of horror uh, would be excited about I that. I don't get so uh, Moving on really yeah, quick. I'm... I said these were brief tidbits, so here, here we go. Uh, the Netflix Tidbit. Unsolved Mysteries reboot, of which I've still only watched the first two episodes, but apparently, as I reported last week, that there has so been legitimate information... Uh, uh, no. Netflix. Uh, there has been legitimate information that has flowed in so much so that Netflix has passed some of it on to the FBI. Uh, when it comes to a case about a young man named Alonzo Brooks, uh, mm-hmm. at this time, uh, due to facts that have come in, his body is actually being exhumed uh, right as we speak uh, because of information that has come to light uh, since this episode has aired. So, uh, they've received information that has caused them to even take those drastic steps of exhuming the body of Alonzo Brooks. I have not yet seen that episode. I believe that's next up on the list if I do go back to watching it. And then my final piece of news, which is not a piece of horror news, but I feel it's relevant to our show based on things we've discussed in the past. Uh, we have reported here that Cobra Kai has been switched over from YouTube to Netflix, and now we know yeah. that season one and two are going to hit Netflix on August 28th. Uh, there's been oh, no shit. news on when the third season will hit Netflix, but I'm going to imagine that we will get an announcement for the third season as we get closer uh, or upon the release of these first two seasons on to Netflix to get people excited to watch them or rewatch them when they do hit Netflix. So August 28th, if you haven't seen Cobra Kai, season one and two will be hitting Netflix. And although I've seen both of the seasons, I couldn't be more excited because I believe that show is 100% fantastic. Mm-hmm. We, I, and I, I, think, I think we all agree on that one. All right. And if you haven't watched it, go watch it now. Because fucking awesome. <laughs> hey. Is that Google, it? Google, take us away. Was you got scanners. Last, was that the last? Google. Is it? He said three. Here? He gave us three. Yes. I'm reaching out okay. to the ghoul, and I think the ghoul has a movie in his head. And I'm trying to figure out what is in his head. Ghoul. Ghoul. <laughs> the hell was that, Peter Worre? <laughs> anyway, I was trying to my, uh, my psychic powers. <laughs> the rest of the episode we broadcast in psychic vision. If you do not That's have it. psychic abilities, you will not be able to hear the rest of this podcast. Good night. It's not. It's not dead air. It's mental projection. <laughs> That's what it is. I swear. So, uh, yeah, listen, man, yeah, my, my pick for this week, because I missed last week, you know, because of work and shit like that, I, I went with Scanners. I kind of did it on a whim. It's a film that I never got around to seeing, even though, you know, obviously it's, it's got one of those sequences that gets played every time anybody puts any kind of documentary about horror movies and gore together. Um, yes. The movie is about <laughs> Professor X versus Magni. I mean, uh... Two guys that have uh, (laughs) sparring off against one another. And the fate of the world is in their hands. So what did you think about the whole world in their hands? Uh, You know, uh, Mm. honestly, this is one of those that 
You know, I really, really, really wanted to, to really like this movie. I really did. You know, maybe if I never read X-Men comic books, I might have. Maybe if I saw this when I was like a younger, <laughs> if I was a younger kid, like maybe 10, 11, 12, something like that, this movie would have been like, holy cow, that's the future, we're fucked. Um, or I really hope that I'm, you know, Daniel Turek or whatever the hell his name was. Um, Daryl. <laughs> Daryl. Daryl Revick. Yeah, the only... Listen, the only Daryl I knew of was a little robot boy, okay? Um, <laughs> Daryl Hall? You didn't know Daryl Hall? No, he's talking no, about D. Hit dot A dot R dot Y dot L dot. Yes, and I know that I know that the dean can recite exactly what that stands, and I can't because I can't remember at the moment. It's like data, data analysis. <laughs> data analyzing robot youth life forms. There you go. There we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> So anyway, yes, had I seen this years ago, I probably would have appreciated it a hell of a lot more than I did seeing it now, because I have seen, you know, X-Men films, and I have seen other things that are similar of this, and of course, what have I seen ad nauseum? The fucking, this movie's like a money shot. It's like you started watching a porn, right? And you're all warmed up. You got your stuff all ready to go, and you're like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch it. And it's like the first 15 seconds of the film, the guy busts his nut, and the rest of the movie is the fucking girl playing with his flaccid wiener. Okay. Wiener. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I felt about it. Pretty fucking, yeah, that's pretty fucking spot wiener. on. I mean, but, uh, Dean, what did you think of this movie? I have never seen this one before, and I... I definitely was looking forward to, to watching this one from when it was announced for from our show last week. Um, I think that the the story concept was interesting and uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it uh, in and it was very very entertaining to see Michael Ironside in such a young role. Uh, oh yeah! As a fan of Michael Ironside, I didn't know that he was in this, and Except he looks the uh, same. My, I think he looks the same, but he doesn't look like he has that weird kind of comb over hair, and he doesn't look. He's a little bit, a little bit kind of like paunchy and pudgy um, compared to later roles. So, and, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I up feel <laughs> that in in execution, I feel that the majority of the performances. Uh, were very wooden um, and not very natural. Uh, with that being said, I know that early on the what? exploding head sequence is a legendary sequence in horror, especially for 1981, and it might due to the fact that I was under uh, trem- like a heavy influence of cannabis products uh, last, e- last night when I watched this. Uh, <laughs> but I felt... <laughs> I felt... Did, you, did you feel your head explode with it? Damn! I didn't feel I didn't feel my head explode with it, but I thought that the 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 all of the sequence building up to that with the sound effects and the acting and the music that led up to the head explosion was absolutely brilliant. Now I can't say for certain that this was as long and drawn out as it felt like it was leading up to the head explosion, but when the head explosion <laughs> actually happened, slow mo, man. I know when was, the head explosion actually happened, it was just—it was just absolutely wonderful. I actually, I actually laughed out loud 
uh, like, and, and my wife happened to be coming out of the bedroom, out of the bathroom at the time, and said, what are you laughing at? And I said, oh, this guy's head just exploded. And she just rolled her <laughs> eyes and went on her way. But um, <laughs> truly, uh, you know, for 1981 head exploding effects, they were fantastic. Uh, but, you know, getting back to the rest of the film, um, I, I mostly, uh, you know, couldn't get into the performances. Um, I feel like I felt like I was watching wooden actors. And, you know, the story itself was engaging. I feel this is one that, that, that truly actually uh, could be, like, ripe for, like, a, like a strong retelling in, in, in some ways. But uh, I guess those are my initial thoughts on Scanners. Okay, right, okay. Um, uh, yeah, me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Google, I just want to say thank you for picking this. Uh, just because I wrestled with this for so long about whether or not to make this a pick over the past year, just because it's one of those movies that wobbles on the fine line of whether or not it's sci-fi, whether or not it's horror. You know, it's one of those ones that kind of falls in between. You know, because fucking oh, Hurtenberg. You know, where it's just where the fuck do you put it? You know, it's just because, you know, but either way, yeah, same thing. It's like my first time viewing, so we have three versions that have ne- never seen this movie before. So, you know, uh, King, uh, once again, you're the only slut who's seen this movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, this movie is classic. It's classic sci-fi. It's classic horror. You can't watch this movie without talking about the headshot. Um that being said, it threw me off because I didn't realize the headshot was going to be so fucking early in the movie. So when it did happen, I was like, oh, shit. It, it fucking happened this early? It's like, what the fuck do else do we have to watch? And unfortunately, I have to agree with the ghoul here of, you know, they blew their wad too fucking early. You know, it's like they sit there and went with this awesome, awesome fucking shot, which, again, it was fucking awesome. You know, you, you, you cannot watch this movie and not talk about the fucking shot, you know. But then what do you have for the rest of the fucking movie? And I think they should have, like, had some other shit spaced out through the movie. Like the ghoul likes to say, you know, every 15 minutes, you know, give give a little bit of gore. Fucky, fucky, let's, and, let's fucky, fucky, people, come on. Yeah, and, you know, but, you know, that being said, watching it, yeah. It's definitely a Cronenberg movie. Whether or not that's good, it's bad, whatever. Uh, let's just say it's definitely Cronenberg. You definitely enjoyed it. And me, I like, despite all of the awesome, awesome special effects that were in this movie, it sounds silly as fuck. I was thinking all of the fucking 70s swag that was in this shit. All the, <laughs> just the late 70s, like, you know, uh, you know, Euro shit that was going on. I was just fucking loving the hell out of all the 70s Euro background that were going on with this entire movie. And it just made me comfortable watching this fucking movie. Um, King, what do you think of this movie, man? I mean, just plain and simple. I I like Scanners. I'm a huge fan of it. It was a a second part of Cronenberg's career, starting in 81, when in the 70s he was focusing on sexuality and feminism, and women, and in 1981, when he decided to do Scanners, he decided to explore body horror, and this is his first kind of foray into it, 
using telepathy as a way of controlling the body. So, I mean, this is just his first one. And he did other ones throughout the 80s. But, mm. you know, it, I, I've, I've always been a fan of Scanners since I first saw it when I was a teenager. I think it's a, a great movie that focuses on good and evil and using telepathic powers to break it down. I mean, you could definitely say Magneto and, and Professor X, but as a just standalone good versus evil film about one wanting to control the world through telepathy and the other one wanting everybody to be free, I think it's a great statement. Well, oh, I, mean, okay, but, I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, sorry, you know, you can sit there and say that, but the reality is this really came down to, to corporate greed as far as mm-hmm. who wants to make money versus who wants to use, you know, these people as weapons in order to dominate the world. I don't think Revic was so much as a bad – that's why I kind of compare him to the Magneto effect where it's like, you know, like the guy wants to be able to – he wants the scanners to be able to run the show, essentially. And being that he and, you know, what we later find out, being his brother, are the most powerful ones. Well, of course, they are the ones that need to run the show of running all the scanners. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I never really took Revic as being necessarily evil. He's just, a, you know, again, when you're the rare breed and you've got that kind of power, you got to do what you got to do. There's only 230 fucking seven of them. There was a couple million people on the planet. 37. 37 in a row? 237. Yeah, but also, the same thing the ghoul says, though, is Contact isn't really, you know, doing the right thing here. You know, where they're not exactly the good guys either because, you know, they specialize in all forms of, excuse me, you know, military weapons. And it just happens to be that one branch of it is the psychic division. Well, in the meantime, you know, they're also doing nerve gases, they're doing missiles, doing bombs, all that kind of stuff. You know, they're all over the fucking place, like Stark Enterprise, you know. <laughs> so, therefore, it's not like they're exactly the good guys either, only selling to the Americans. You know, they're out there, like the ghoul said, for greed as well. You know, so, again, we're talking about corporate. You know, when I watched this, I took it as a thing of corporation versus corporation. I never took it as a good versus evil kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the corporate greed is definitely there, but it's also at the same point you have uh, Cameron Vale who's just having a good time being homeless. He doesn't care. You know, he's living his best life as a homeless, <laughs> as a derelict. You know, he doesn't really want to have to get involved with these scanners because he doesn't even really truly know what he has. He just knows so that he has his power. Yeah. And, hmm? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean he, he doesn't know what he is. He doesn't know about no. what the ability is. He just knows that whenever nope. he's in proximity of people, this kind of thing happens. So it's easier for him to live a life, you know, on the road as a bum, staying away from people, you know. Mm. But, you know, like we later find out, too, though, is that, yeah, he's been, you know, he's kind of been. I don't know. It's a weird one. And, you know, when I read about the production of the film, unfinished script, sets that weren't done yet, I feel like this could have really used a little bit of polish. Because there's lines like, oh, he had you on could use a lot all that, all that <laughs> time. 
you know, at first I thought, okay, maybe they have, they have some kind of brainwashing technique that they're using. You know, they'll use other scanners to implant these suggestions. And maybe he really wasn't a bum on the street all that time, but actually was somebody that was, like, living in the lab or, you know, living in a, in a, in a dorm or something somewhere, and they brainwash him to make him think he's a bum on the street so that they could pull him off to put him into this project and everything. But it, it never goes there. It just turns out that, yeah, their idea of saying he's been on ice all this time is his father let him live on the fucking street like a bum <laughs> yeah yeah we found out that dr ruth is that way i mean i just i like how uh, when you first get introduced to both characters of, of daryl revick and cameron vale that they're both two different people i mean revick is essentially a assassin you know and we talked about it already the huge uh, head explosion that happened yeah. at the uh, concept you know it's purposely done he knows his power he can control it he's been you know held against his will for a long time, as opposed to Cameron Vale. But what always gets me every time when I watch this movie is that you know that this guy has a scanner-like power that can control your mind, yet nobody has any kind of thing that helps them not get taken over by Revic at every single turn. Like when they take him out of concept and they're driving him away. It's like, well, you're not, it's not like you have tin foil on your head that's going to protect you from Revic. Revic can very easily take you out, and he does in spectacular fashion, one at a time, taking out all six guards. Well, that's they didn't have the Magneto for. helmet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, no, but, Andy, that is the point of the ephemeral. Is it doesn't that work unless you can actually helmet. put it in his body. It doesn't right. like the doctor put it into himself because he controlled the doctor to give the ephemeral shot to himself rather than Reza. That's the thing. You know, they don't, that's the one I would say flaw of this movie that I feel is that there's just nothing that you can do against Revic to protect yourself. Like, you know, well, the ghoul said, you know, Magneto's helmet. It's because of its power. They don't have that. It's power level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't have the power to go up against Revic. You know, he could just do whatever he wants. And as you find out, he is working with Consec and Keller, who's a new head of security played by Lawrence Dane, who was in the, the Outer Limits episode we talked about. But he's also a pretty famous Canadian actor who's been in a lot of uh, Happy Birthday to Me and a bunch of other uh, exploitation films. But, you know, he's the, the other side of it, the corporate greed, which I thought that Warren's Dane played great as Keller, working alongside Yeah. Him. And, again, it's just, uh, you know, on a side note, just want to sit there and say how I just fucking constantly love the fucking 70s, you know, late 70s swag vibe that was going on here. Like, because even when they were hanging out in the mall, again – just the aesthetics of the mall and the architecture that was going on. I was like, who the fucking even built malls like that? It just looks so fucking swanking shit, man. Fucking dug it. Okay, but that's enough of that. Okay, so, but moving on. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's also Vale is being prepped to go find Vale, to go find Revic. You know, get control of your powers. You know, here's this old man. Make his heartbeat go faster. You know, this is how you're going to be able to control your scanning yeah. ability. So when you go out into the world, you can yeah. find who we need, which is Revic, uh, by going to yeah. this art installation and questioning everybody about who this particular scanner is that you have to find. Uh, Pierce, you know, I'm going to buy his piece and just give me his address. You could just think his address. Just think his address and then I'll just get it from you. <laughs> he, he's coming well, into he's his own veil at this point. Uh, that's, a, that's the whole play on the whole, you know, like tell somebody not to think of something. And what, of course, what are they going to do? They're going to think of it. Um, 
you know, so so I do like little plays like that. It's just funny too, though, because you you definitely know that this is like a late seventies, early eighties film, because any other movie when you had a training sequence like this in the eighties, it was a montage, and we don't get a montage. Oh, yeah. We get like you know nope. one full training scene, and then that's it. Vale is suddenly you know a master of, of mental yeah. ability. Yeah, you know, and and it's great because he immediately goes to where Pierce lives and there's all this different artwork all around. And we find out that that's how Pierce controls his scanning ability. But what's also interesting is from a horror fan standpoint, the guy that plays Pierce is Robert Silberman, who played Mr. Sykes in prom night, the red herring for the killer. And he's also been in a ton of other uh, Cronenberg red movies. Herring. If you're a fan of yeah. prom night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But like you said, he, yeah, but like you said, he was also in pretty much every other fucking Cronenberg movie, because I think he was also yep. in Naked Lunch, he was also in yes, Extends, he uh, he was in Rabbit, um, you know, so he's like, you know, a Cronenberg regular. <laughs> yes, he is. And I, and, and, like I, said, the, and, yeah. I, and I enjoyed his role, uh, the, the small role here of, you know, he didn't have the ephemeral that everyone else had, and I can understand the, the, the thing of, you know, you have to create and keep creating just to keep the monsters out. You know, you got to keep something going all the time. You know, that's why we do this fucking show, is keep the monsters out of the head, and so that we can broadcast it over the air to you, lucky people exactly. at home. That's, that's what I'm saying, okay? Is con- you sure, need to constantly create. <clears throat> and I, and I, like, I really enjoyed that thing coming from Hill. Uh, he couldn't keep the, the hunters away, because now you have the the big hunters coming to get them, and of course, uh, fortunately, Pierce has to die in a kind of comical way, where he's just screaming no as they're firing at him but not hitting him. So you have all these bullets kind of raining down on him from the shotgun, and nothing is hitting him. No, no, he took so okay, many as shots, a... man. <laughs> he's like, he got hit, and he kept going. He got hit. He got shot in the back. He's still walking. No. Okay. <laughs> Okay, as someone who ye- does art on the side, I'm going to say he was yelling no because they were shooting his art supplies instead of him. Probably. That's what he was upset about is because they kept shooting his art supplies. Okay, just don't fuck with my fucking art supplies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably why he's doing it. But it's, it's at this moment where Vale takes like over Joe and kills Pesci. all the assassins. Like Joe Pesci's mom in freaking uh, Goodfellas, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't mess with the paintings. Oh, I really like this one. You know, the dog faces this way, the other dog faces that way. It's east and west. Yeah. <laughs> east and west. And by the way, do you mind? Do you mind if I borrow this knife? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we hit a deer, and I gotta I gotta hack off the the foot, the hook. <laughs> but uh, with with uh, Pierce dying, he gives away the name of Kim Oberst, who is yet another scanner that Vale is going to have to go and find after leaving the, the art installation of, of Pierce. Yeah. And he, um, yeah. I just love this group of people because they all just kind of aren't in the Vale. <laughs> he just happens to show up and he's like a killer fucking scanner. And like, yeah, this guy. Uh, let's go sit in a circle and just combine well, ourselves, all of our nervous systems, which comes back later, but this is their first time doing it. Yeah. Right, but this is a, but this is where we find out that we you, you don't only have the two corporations fighting each other. It's like again we're like you know 
late 70s, you still have some kind of hippie shit going on, and you have a commune here of people that are just trying to hone their own skills without the help of ephemeral and just try and learn how to hone their own skills. And they were doing fucking fantastic until Vale shows up and he's like, hey, can I talk to Kim Overs, please? Yeah, sure, come on in. Nothing possibly could go wrong. It's not like you're wanted by anybody. We have no idea who you are. (laughs) And we can't read your mind to find out where you came from, but we are scanners. So there is no. that. Uh, so. No, it's fine. They scanned him at the door, remember? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he, I was like, no, you didn't good. really do that good of a job. Because as soon as they all sit down in their kumbaya circle to fucking get down with the scanning, that's when the assassins pop right the fuck back in. Come up, come up, <laughs> Blow down everybody with away. Come up, come up, come up, come up, come up, come up, come and here we get introduced to the favorite weapon of the entire movie, shotguns with folding stocks. <laughs> get you know, used to it because you're going to see a lot of it. <laughs> I never, ever, ever, well, I think back then, too, though, that was like a staple of, like, you're in the future. You know, because, like, in the future, <laughs> this is what your weapons do. They, they fold to get bigger. Um, <laughs> so look you know, more intimidating. I, I, I hate when movies <laughs> do the, the psychic thing in which it goes, okay, you're telepathic. And, you know, I can get a little bit of the, the telekinesis end of things, like, all right, you can move shit with your mind. Um, but I love how that goes it's 11. That to pyrokinesis. You know, like, come on, man. The whole, like, I'm going to light started. somebody on yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I'm going to light somebody on fucking fire with my mind. Just, it's, it's just such a huge stretch. You know, where does the combustion energy come from? You know what kind of fucking, like, like, like energy it's going to take to do that? You're not doing that when you're a low-level fucking scanner. It's just not going to happen. Right, but I think Obright was the one who did the combustion, and Obright was not supposed to be a low-level scanner. She was there. You know, she was the leader of the group, so therefore... She was probably the highest, you know, HP, if you will, um, for the group. Yes. Yes. So, therefore, she was able to do that kind of shit. And I think that's where our boy learns that he's able to do that as well, is to learn to to do that kind of thing. Because, again, it's the thing about focusing where and focusing what you do. Yes, he's got the glow. (laughs) But it's about what you do. You need the glow to glow to grow. But the thing about this entire movie is with the scan, it's not about scanning the brain. It's about scanning specific parts of the body. And as you can sit there and, again, scan and focus, then you can sit there and raise temperatures in the body and cause that shit to catch on fire because that's what you're concentrating on. Which is what I was trying to do in the segue earlier. That's what this is, too, though. That's what we learned here. This isn't necessarily telepathy. It's not necessarily telekinesis. It's actually an exchange of energy. It's a connection on a, on a they don't call it, but basically a spiritual level in which your nervous system intertwines with the nervous system of another being, and as such, you can now control and affect their bodily functions. You can make his wee wee yeah. go up. You can make his wee wee go down. <laughs> All you got to do is say the word erection, and the king is there. But you don't even need to connect to his mind to do that. But yeah, 
that is that is exactly where no, this movie go. goes. Is is again just concentrating on that body, which this is something that like while Cronenberg was like rushed like a motherfucker, like you said earlier, you know, was having to sit there and write all the story stuff while he was still fucking shooting, to be able to come up with the you know these little bits of you know it's not telekinesis or anything like that, but it's nervous system and a nervous system. You know, so while the storyline is flawed, there were some strong points in here. King. What? Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> well, you just shout out King. Like, like what do you want? <laughs> you know, King. Yeah. What? How you doing? <laughs> I'm listening to you break down this movie so eloquently. Like, you know, just doing a great job. Nervous system, nervous system. <laughs> I was like, I'm, just, I'm taking a break. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, like, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about this is, you know, like the ghoul said, is like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not. Sorry, I'll shut the fuck up. As you were, King. <laughs> you asked for me, and then you proceed to do a fucking another monologue. It's like, okay, <laughs> right, I'm, I'm gonna go, gonna go to back and I'm repeat sorry, what you I'm just like, said. <laughs> I'm like an evil villain tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> so wait yeah, a minute, King. Okay. What, what exactly do you think was going to go on? Now, Monkey, what are we going to say? <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. I'm shutting Monkey up for just a had second. to get out with it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's fine. But when you say, hey, King, don't immediately start giving a monologue. That's what you want somebody else to talk because when you say their name. Bad, Monkey. So Bad. we're learning. You get, you get we're, chastised. We're learning. Punish like a little fucking child. Kids put you in place, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, why don't you, you know, proceed to tell us about the bus chase through town? Because I know you like bus, you like car chases. There's a very brief I one do. that lands right into a record store. <laughs> it, okay. It lands right in a record store. And seriously, when this entire record store scene happens, uh, like the, the entire time it happened, because I know – um, the Dean is a big ass audiophile, and, and like I was imagining yeah. him, pa- I, I was imagining him pausing this scene in the record store, and him like oh. sitting there pausing the frames and going, okay, looking at the records, going, got it, got it, got it, need it, got it, got it. Ooh, never seen that one before. I gotta get that one on fucking vinyl. It's like that was imagining like <laughs> what the Dean was going through as he was looking at this record store scene. As the bus was crashing in, <laughs> but we had some I mean, stuff look, going on there. You know, <laughs> again, record stores. This is the cops, cops slipping all over the fucking records because that's what happened. You know, we have a scanner get in there. He sets the shit on fire and also sets you, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, sprinklers on fire. But they're able to get away. You know. <laughs> But before that, like, before they wreck, wreck in there, I just want to sit there and go back to the whole thing of we have the bad guy bus rolled up next to the school bus, and they sit there and do this, like, kind of, like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean thing, and all the flaps open up on the bus, and then all these it's shotguns the pop out of the flaps. <laughs> I fucking loved it, man. <laughs> I don't know how they're telling me, but they did. The Libyan. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Oh, they found me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's an interesting scene with them controlling the assassin and finding out that he has a vial from the biocarbon amalgamate uh, company. 
which is a company that works with ComSec, the sterilized lab, and it's essentially Redick working with Keller to bus in a bunch of the ephemeral throughout the, you know, throughout the world, essentially throughout the United States and throughout Canada. You know, it's all the ephemeral going everywhere. Yeah, and they busted they they bust into the group. Um, he works his way in there and sits there and works his way through the lab to in his big old hazmat suit, which everyone should be wearing on the street, by the way. I think it's going to be the latest fashion this season. Um, so, therefore, get yourself a right program suit available by David Cronenberg so that you can sit there and shop shop safely at Walmart, but also find out what the fuck the right program is, which, like the king said, is there's something involved with ephemeral. And a hero goes to sit there and check out one of the doctors that are on the list that happen to be nearby and find out what exactly is going on with the right program. So he and one of the surviving members of the commune... (laughs) Yeah, work their way there. And, okay, and then we go to the doctor, and while it's not exactly body horror... It definitely fucking hit really hard, like, for me in the body horror area. Like, there was nothing to see. There was nothing, like, going on, special effects-wise. But when we sit there and, um, excuse me, you know, have our girl going into the doctor's office, and and then she's being scanned by a fetus. You missed that a whole lot, monkey. Wow. (laughs) You missed the entire sequence of them at the lab. You missed the entire sequence of them going into the lab and trying to infiltrate it and then end up, you know, getting all the guards to get scanned because they're afraid of being killed by Keller, who is into the whole thing. And when he's interrogating Oberst, he reveals that he's in the whole thing to help out Revik. And that's when he turns off the cameras and prepares the shooter. But because she wasn't drugged, like they were supposed to because Dr. Ruth didn't give them the ephemeral. She's able to use her powers to get away from Keller and escape with Vale onto a country road where they go to a telephone and they call into the ComSec headquarters and download all of the information they need into Vale's head. But with Keller being on to them, he decides to have a self-destruct sequence, which leads to the phone booth completely melting and the car exploding because of the telephone wires landing onto gas because that gas station attendant does not know how to fucking put a pump back when there's sparks flying overhead. <laughs> oh, no. Eh? Oh, hey, bud, your car's going to explode. What's that all about? Oh, man. It, and it was such but a see, fucking monkey, pretty car, too, man. It was really such a pimp fucking car. needed to get to that fetus. You know, the fetus scan yes. was the, uh, it was like a key thing there, you know. Oh, he was just super yeah. fucking stoked to talk about it. They could have really gone, like, like I don't know. Again, look, obviously special effects and shit were limited you know, at this time. You know, our great head explosion that occurred, you know, the guy basically laid behind the fucking thing and shot it with a shotgun. Um, mm-hmm. All the other yep. things they were, all the things they were trying to do were just failing miserably. So, you know, basically just stick a watermelon on a fucking dummy and, and shoot it. You're good. Um, I wish they would have gone a little bit like, you know, again, like this is, it's Cronenberg. It's body horror. You know, it's the new flesh. Like, those are the things that I'm thinking, you know? So, like, when they bring up, like, this whole fetus thing, like, I want to see, like, the fetus. The fetus. You know, like, if, yeah. I want to mm-hmm. see a fetus yeah, scanning I mean, somebody. I want, I want to see some it's Watto like, shit coming out, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Cronenberg in, in his catalog has held back from showing those kinds of things. So, let's go. Where is it? 
no, he didn't hold back in the mid to late 80s. This is 81. You know, this is him still getting started. I mean, even with Rabid and Shivers, you know, which is his two classics from the 70s, there wasn't a lot to look at, you know, with those movies in terms of effects. It wasn't until he hit in 83, you know, with Videodrome, and then later in 86 with The Fly, that he really fucking decided, let's just go all out. We got the budget. Let's do it. You know, let's really show them body horror. So this is just tastes of what you can get from Cronenberg as far as, you know, what he's capable of. It's in a lot, but you're going to see a lot more yeah. from him in the coming years. I, this whole thing, you know what it's really, like, made me start thinking about? What I, like, what I, what I, I've realized what my desire is in regards to all of this. What I honestly mm. want, you know, from everything I've ever seen of any of Cronenberg's work, it's always potential, 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 potential. Mm-hmm. It could have been so much better, but, you know, what the, the groundwork is there. We need a Castle Rock-style series that connects Cronenberg's worlds. And that, I think, could be a lot of fun. You go with the body car, you're bringing in a little bit of video drone, you can have scanners, like all this shit can exist in its own little pocket universe of just fucking bizarreness, you know? And that that would be a fucking blast. Yeah, I'd be on board for that. But uh, anyway, Monkey, why don't you take it away? You and your uh, baby fetus is there in the doctor's <laughs> office. Baby fetus. Hey, uh, baby fetus. Thank you for rewinding oh, no, and giving me back on base. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, yeah. Just taking no say, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we have the whole thing. Uh, and I just want to get, like, get into the whole thing of, again, like you guys were saying about delivering but not delivering. Something about the whole thing of just being scanned by a fetus. She, and, you know, and she's getting the nosebleed and stuff like that. Well, it wasn't really showing anything at the same time. I thought it really fucking registered, though, in body horror of just the unsuspecting mother knowing that this was going on inside her own room. Yeah. Yeah, she had no idea, but Oberus did. That's why she had to get away from that fetus real yeah. quick. Just because of how powerful it is already. It's not even born yet. And it already can cause it to have yeah. nosebleeds. So it's like, all right. Let's get to Dr. Frayne because we need to get the fuck out of here. There's babies that well, are scanning the, people. The nosebleed is just one of the side effects of being scanned in general. I don't think it's a power thing. I think it was just more of a surprise of where the scanning was coming from. You know, you could see her, like, mm. registering somebody was poking around in there. And it's like, you know, yeah. I could, like I don't, again, being that they, they really don't – give you much, you kind of have to go on what these actors are doing. You know, I took it as she was trying to, like, scan the room herself a little bit to figure out who was doing it, and then therefore is how she traced it to being that it was actually in the womb. Which, of course, comes to our big reveal that, you know, Dr. Ruth isn't quite so benevolent either. You know, even though he was somewhat of a good guy... Dr. Ruth was testing on his own wife and therefore, you know, he, uh, he created the, uh, the first two scanners. Yeah, which is why uh, we have someone get taken out by Tranks. <laughs> she disappears for a little bit. <laughs> and there's Ironside hanging out by a tree going, what's up? <laughs> you know. Well, 
<laughs> because she's superfluous. She's not really important. So, yeah, just give her a trank and we'll throw her into a room because, really, it's all about the final battle between Vale and Revic that we're getting yeah. into in the office. You know, I mean, this is where it all ends up, and that's like what the ghoul just said. When Vale finds out that Ruth is his actual father and that Revic is his brother and that they are kind of the ultimate race. And that's why it's when the ghoul brought it up earlier about uh, nice. Xavier versus, you know, Magneto. I just kept thinking about that line. We are the future, Charles. We are the future, Charles. We are the future, Charles. Love them. <laughs> Love that. I kept thinking about that line as I'm watching this scene. I'm like, I'm really getting into it. You know, it's Ironside going, all right, if that's how you want it. Like, you know, I was like, man, I was like, this is just Magneto and Professor X, but I love it put, just because it's... it's put Ironside yeah. Magneto's helmet, and we're good to go. But I think he was in first, uh, first uh, whatever that other, the, 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 the reboot that they did, first first team, first fucking, I can't even first remember class. the name. Yeah. First class, there you go. I think he was on, like, the naval yeah, ship or whatever during the whole uh, yep. the gold thing. Um, yeah. Okay, so now, okay. Monkey Dean. This is both yeah. your first times viewing, my first time viewing as well. Yes. I know that for me, I saw it a mile away that these two guys were going to be related. Like, it just was one of those things where, like, mm-hmm. the father part, I didn't think Dr. Ruth, like, that never entered my mind, that he would be their dad. But the fact that these two were brothers or some kind of, like, you know, family connection that was like, I don't know. I, I saw it from the very beginning of the movie. What did you guys? Was it a surprise for you? Yes. Me. It was a okay, surprise short for answer. me. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys both fucking answer at the same time. Why didn't we take it one at a time? No, you uh, no I said... Monkey, shut up. Yeah, I said, Dean, go ahead and put your answer in. Okay, fine. Okay, me? Here's my answer. My answer is no. I did not think that these guys were going to be related and to me it was a surprise okay uh i didn't take it as them actually being related i took it seriously as him doing like i anything that was coming out of ironside mouth i didn't take it seriously i took it as his way of putting a spin on what he had to do to get bail on his side so therefore he had the article ready he had the story ready. It, I, I took it as he came across another scanner that was as powerful as, as him, but had no ideas about his background or anything like that, and came up with the story to sit there and sit there and get him involved and try to pull him to his side. And I don't think that they were actually brothers. I just took it as... Him just trying to take a wayward son that was just floating around the universe and giving him, trying to give him some kind of anchor. You know, I mean, that's a, you know, it could be it. I mean, I, I took it as if they were brothers. That's just the way I took it as. Just because of how he really did fucking care for, you know, Vale. And he said, I've been helping you all along. Like, you think that you've been doing this all by yourself, but I've been fucking helping you the entire fucking time. You are not doing this by yourself. You are not that good. I've been helping you to get you here. So you think this whole fucking adventure was on your own? No. I've been guiding you to me. So let's create a fucking new race and let's take over the world. And then he gets hit in the head with a fucking big-ass fucking clay piece. And he's like, okay, bitch, now we're on. Come on, bud. What's all right, bud? We're going to have to fight now. I'm going to yeah. suck your brain you dry. Were, you want to... <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's it, bitch. It's all over. I never want to be left in a room alone with Michael Ironside ever again, after, you know, after watching Scanners, because I'm afraid he's going to scan my brain. 
So I'm good. <laughs> but it's the ultimate battle. And I figured this is where the rest of the budget went for this final battle yeah. because we have to have the ultimate <laughs> effects of body horror and veins popping out and eyeballs popping out and veil catching fucking fire. I was like, yeah, this is, that's all their budget. That's, you know, an explosion and then the final battle. Oh, man. It's just, I just want to say, it's like, I fucking love this fucking Skinner fight. It's just because now I understood, because you have special effects, you have special effect designs, and then you have another thing called micro effects in the credits. And I was like, what the fuck's micro effects? And see, here we go. This is the micro effect. This is the shit where you see veins popping all over the place. You know, blood splattering all over the place. And them crawling at each other's skin while they're sitting there having the psychic fight. And I was like, okay, you got me. It's fucking good. And I'm fucking loving this. It's fucking pretty. <laughs> oh, my God, it was pretty. <laughs> well, that's also a moment where you think that it's going to be Revit winning this because he's more powerful than Vale and he can control this. And obviously you see Vale falling apart, pulling away pieces of his flesh, his eyeballs popping out. His hands and body catching fire. He's like, oh, man, you know, Revik's got this. <laughs> Revik's taking him over, and we're going to find out that he's <laughs> the most intense scanner in the world. Um, but it doesn't really quite end that way. No. <laughs> because we see our girl walking in, and she comes rushing to a charred hunk of, you know, human flash that's sitting there. It looks ironically a lot like one of the sculptures that was available for sale earlier in the movie. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. it looks like the exact same art style. <laughs> you know, but, you know, <laughs> and then we have someone huddled in the corner, and he's like, no, it's okay. And wait, wait, wait. It's not Vale. It's Michael Ironside. But, it, but at the same time, it's Vale's voice going, no, we won. Ah, give us a hug, darling. <laughs> well, his eyes also changed, and the scar's gone. Yeah, so he no longer has rubber scars yeah. or eyes, so it's clearly like the ghoul said earlier about spirituality and the nervous system. Yeah, he transferred himself into his body. So, I mean, that's the uh, right. that's that's the ways of that. Like, I don't know if they ever explored that kind of stuff further in the sequels. Um, obviously, no, no, the only no. movie of this that I've seen. Uh, I know that there's what two two film sequels, and then there's a television there's series. There's four of them. Tele- television movies, yeah. too. Yeah, there, oh, there's, yeah, there's like four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like four movie sequels, and then the television series or something like that. And there was also well, talking Scanner about Cop reboot. is an extension. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's not going to happen anymore, but yeah, Scanner Cop yeah. and Scanner Cop 2, and then Scanners 2, The New Order. You know, I mean, there's, there's plenty of them, but none of them connected this movie. Except for part two, loosely based on Vale and Obers having a child together. Was, That's the only you know, uh, connection. Do you, King, do you know if Cronenberg uh, was involved with any of the other projects? No, he had absolutely nothing not. doing with any of nope, them. <laughs> nothing. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did this one, he was out. He did it one time. <laughs> he had no interest, and I don't blame him, but yeah, he was out. And again, it's like, as a side note, I just want to say, like, you know, looking back at it, I, like, I enjoyed what Cronenberg was trying to do with the, you know, kind of futuristic sci-fi stuff, you know, of all security around the tower and stuff like that, and the funky-ass sci-fi clothes and 
that kind of shit, you know, almost going like THX one one three eight kind of thing, but at the same time not really going there. But it's like I wish like he had, had the time or the budget to sit there and decide whether or not he was able to go futuristic sci-fi or not. Like again, it's just Cronenberg unfortunately was just fucking rushed with this fucking movie, yeah. man. Yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, if he hadn't been as rushed, you know, what could have came out. But I still think it's an yeah. enjoyable movie. I mean, does it have dry moments? Absolutely, it does. And Stephen, uh, the guy that played uh, Vale, Stephen uh, Volk, I, I don't really care for him very much. He's very dry, you know, like the, the dean had said. And for a long time, I thought it was David Emge from Dawn of the Dead because they look fucking identical. Oh, my identical. God, thank God. You know what? I was going to say it earlier, but I didn't want to sound stupid. Yeah, I totally thought for half this movie, that's who I fucking thought it was. It wasn't until I looked it up. I was like, oh, this is somebody else entirely. <laughs> yeah. They just, they look so intensely similar. If you put up their pictures side by side, you'd be like, okay, yeah, they must be brothers. <laughs> yeah, the face, the eyes, you know similar. what I mean? Like, it's yep. the, the shape of their, their heads, the whole nine. Yeah, mm. the whole time. Yeah, when I was younger, I used to think that it was it was David Emge until I looked mm. it up one day. I was like, nope, not David Emge. Mm. But, you know, it's... It, uh, early, it's again, it's early Cronenberg. It's going to be a little bit dry, but I think you know the effects, and I think it has potential to be more. But it's still one movie that I go back to every now and then just to watch because Michael Ironside is probably one of the greatest film villains you could ever ask for. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> you cannot ask for better, man. <laughs> no, he does the fucking bar. <laughs> Even when he's playing a hero, you're like, dude, he's so badass. <laughs> All, all jokes and complaints aside, the reality is this. I, I did enjoy this film. I enjoyed, mm-hmm. you know, what its potential is. I always enjoy Michael Ironside. I mean, how can you not? You know? Yeah. It's, you know, I just can't. You know, rap, you know Ratchet's, well, whatever his name is, a fucking Revic. brain. Not <laughs> yes, there you go. Revic. Um, Revic. Daryl. Oh, but, you know, I was thinking of... Uh, Bug Planet, a terrible planet. The fucking uh, that movie. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Thank you. There you go. See, like I said, brain not working at the moment. It was like in flashing <laughs> mode. Yeah, so, you know, Richter. Richter. <laughs> Richter in, in total Brad, recall. Total recall. I just, I, th- I think, yes, yep. as Richter. Robocop. Um, you know, see you at the party, Richter. You know, as he tosses his fucking arms down to the guy, you know. <laughs> Everything about Michael Ironside is just always enjoyable. Um, so, yes, I, there's, there's never a film that I see him in that it doesn't automatically just put a smile on my face. So, yeah, would I watch yeah. this again? Absolutely, I'd watch it again. But, uh, like I said, I, I would love, I know they've spoken about doing a remake and a reboot or whatever it is a lot, and it's been on, on the talks for years, but nothing has ever come from it. Um, you know, it's something I'd love to see its potential explored. Yeah. He was the villain he in said Free Willy. Well. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I like that. Yeah, Believe me, I, I yeah, know like, like, six times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he, was also, like, I think, he was I think also that kid's really drunken... Go ahead, Dean. He, he was that kid's drunken stepfather in Major Pain with Damon Wayne. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like, but, uh, like the like the ghoul said, I think this movie could definitely use a remake, but at the same time, I think it d- could definitely still keep Michael Ironside in there performing and just keep the movie rolling. Fuck yeah! If you're gonna re- mm-hmm. if, you, if you're gonna remake it, you gotta keep Ironside. 
Yeah, he'll be in it. Trust me. If they ever do another remake, he'll be right in line to do it. But uh, Dean, <laughs> next week I believe the film pick goes to you. What do you have for us? Jester and Top Gun. Woo! Jester's dead. Dean. Dean. Yes. What, what's your, what's your film pick yes. for next week? So, uh, next week he does not know. We're going to take a trip. <laughs> we're going to take a trip uh, to the natural world of the 1980s, uh, the late 1980s, okay. 1988. Uh, a film that you can see on Shutter, on Tubi, on YouTube, and on Amazon Prime. Uh, we are going to visit 1988. And we are going to take a look at Slugs. Oh, Juan Pequeer Simon Slugs. That's a great movie. That's a great animal uh, feature. And I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen Slugs since, uh, man, wow, 2002, 2003. Yeah, Juan Pequeer Simon, who directed Pieces, the classic Pieces. You know, you don't have to go to Texas to have a massacre. Yeah, he directed Slugs. So that's going to be a good pick. Uh, So that'll be for next week. All right. Sorry, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, God, I just realized where I first saw Michael Ironside while I'm looking at his list. V. I totally forgot that that guy was in V, but yes, as soon as I saw yeah, that, I was dude. like, holy shit, I don't totally remember him in that show. No, that's where I first saw him, uh, definitely. As a kid, yeah, I, I watched that show yep. when it was on, so. All right, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well. Everybody do your sign-off. Go ahead. All right. So, Monkey, yeah, go ahead and do your sign-off as a close-out. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And let me come in here. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. And next week, Dean, as you had said, we're going to be talking about slugs from 1988 next week. Yay. Looking forward to hearing back next week. I can't wait to talk about slugs. I'm sure you can. Oh, yeah. Sounds like you're excited already. <laughs> All right. So uh, go ahead, uh, Ghoul. Want to hit us with that plug as it closed out tonight? Uh, again, as, uh, as I like to say every week, you know, go on to Etsy. Put it in the search bar, all one word, Bonfire Beat Designs, uh, all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, uh, mixing and matching all kinds of weird stuff these days. You know, she's putting uh, snakes shed skin in there, and, yeah, she's, she's creating some real cool stuff, and uh, it's people are liking it because people are buying it. So, you know what, thank you for, for the purchases. We hope you love it as much as she loves creating it. Um, I know how hard it is for her to, to let these things go. You know, she likes to to make things that she herself would wear, and that's kind of her philosophy. So, so with that, every time one leaves the house, it's like one of her children are gone. Um, not like it, not like she gave birth to it, but she, she created it. No. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so yeah. again, go to Bonfire Beat Designs, oh. all one word, right on Etsy. Oh, 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 like fucking Santa Claus over there in California, you motherfucker. Anyway, stay scared. <laughs> and as for me, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Talking Terror, the Facebook page over on Instagram. That stuff's going on over there. And obviously, our wonderful sponsor. We'll see you next week where we talk about slugs. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail odorous. See you next time.